Perfect. Good morning. I was so encouraged. Um, I don't, this is interesting because we had an AGM last week, as a lot of us would know. But wasn't that an eye-opener? Really, how so many different um, ministries and things going on in this church. And there's, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of us in this church. It's not a big church. But I was amazed. I was um, inspired. I was absolutely inspired by that meeting. And uh, it wasn't a preach. It wasn't a worship service. It was just the church coming forward as a body of believers and presenting this is what we do. This is who we are. This is all the great stuff. And, and it was a, just, I hope you all were blessed by that. And that the, you know, the Holy Spirit was a, highlighting to us that that was, that that was the work of Jesus. That's the work of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's the evidence. It's the evidence of what's going on in our lives. And sometimes we can't see the evidence all the time, can we? We can't really see all the, all the different ministries, all the different um, hearts and activities that people are, you know, putting their life into this. So I really wanted to um, bring that, highlight that, and bring that to our attention, that that was really inspirational. So thank you, Lord. And again, just before um, we go much further, I just wanted to pause for a minute and just have the, like, thank you for the prayer, Dea. And uh, we pray one more time, Lord. Lord Jesus, uh, we believe in you. We believe that your word um, is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So we ask that you would bless the word and we hold it in high regard. We reverence your word. We, uh, we um, well, in all the things that we have in our life, Lord, this is one of the most precious precious uh, things that uh, we have. So just want to honor it. And we thank you, God, for your word. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray that today you would give us a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ, of uh, our identity, Lord, our confessions and what they all mean, and how this all impacts our life as we look forward to your return. And we look forward to all the great things that you have for us in this message today. And we, we pray this, Father God, to your honor, to your glory, through the power of the Spirit, and in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I thought today we would just talk again. And um, I wanted to start with confession, because uh, confessions of faith, if we could... Uh, do we have the confessions of faith photo up there, Benny? Thanks. Um, confessions of faith. Uh, in Mark, Mark 11, Jesus tells us in 11.22, he said, have faith in God. Um, Hebrews 4.1 says, have faith in God's word. And we know that God and his word are one. So the Bible teaches us God and his word are one. And even in Hebrews 4.1, it says that the promises that the Israelites had were the same promises that we have. The only difference is, is that they didn't mix the word of God with faith. That's why they didn't receive the promises, because they didn't mix it with faith. And then, and um, we're told in First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse five, that 
that we are to have faith in the power of God. So we have to have faith in God, faith in God's word, and faith in the power of God. Now, um, Apostle Paul said that he came and he, and he was speaking to the Corinthians and he said, I didn't come and talk to you with the wisdom of man. I came and I, I, I spoke to you with the, the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power of God so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of man, but that your faith would be in the power of God. That's why he spoke like that. So we, we sometimes now, I, I have a feeling that sometimes today we think that you have to be a great speaker and you have to have it all together. Like we have, a, like when Pastor Eddie was talking with me, we have formulas. We have ideas of how the word of God should be explained and how, how we're taught, how we should preach. So the Christian life is about faith. It's about hope. It's about love. And in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse the, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says that these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So we know that they apply to our life today. They apply to our life in the future. And they will play a part in our eternity. Faith, hope, and love. Matter of fact, we're saved by faith. Romans 3.25, we're saved by faith in the blood of Jesus. Faith in the blood of Jesus. We live by faith. We know that it says in 2 Corinthians 5.7 that we live by faith and not by sight. So we have, we're saved by faith, we live by faith, we uh, fight the fight of faith, we overcome this evil world by faith, we, um, <clears throat> it's limitless, we achieve victory by faith, uh, we receive the promises of God by faith, we receive our righteousness by faith, we receive a right relationship with God by faith. And then if you're really a solid spiritual Christian, then all of a sudden you're healing the sick by faith, you raise the dead by faith, give sight to the blind by faith, okay. hearing to the deaf by faith. So faith and the confession of faith is so important that it leads us into, into our identity. Matter of fact, Romans 10, 10, 10, I want to read this, Romans 10, starting at 9, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For unto, because you believe with the heart unto righteousness, but confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says that whoever put, will, puts their trust in him will not be put to shame. Whether you're a Jew or you're a Greek. But the one Lord is Lord over all. And he is rich to all who call upon him. 
For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9-13. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. So there's no such thing as silent faith when it comes to your confessions. Now I agree that there's times when you can ponder it in your heart. And you can believe, you can say, look, I really know what I believe. I know what I think. I know who I am. I'm going to, you know, ponder that. We know that um, the angel came to Mary and told her that you're going to have a child. And the, the word says that she pondered that in her heart. So there's a time to ponder that in your heart. But there's an, also a time when it comes to confession about what you believe, about your salvation, then it said right there that, that we need to speak this out. There's no such thing as silent faith when it comes to your, to your salvation. And there's no such thing as ignorant faith. Faith is not a pie-in-the-sky idea. We don't just think, oh, I, I think I know what I'm talking about because the Word says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. If you are interested in increasing your faith, and building your faith, you need to read the Word of God. It's the solid foundation which encourages us. It teaches us. It admonishes us. All these things are in the Word of God. So this is even in Hebrews, this is 11, Hebrews 11, uh, 10, 38. I think it was 10, 38. It says, and it's impossible to please God without faith. For whosoever calls upon him and, and must believe that he is, what must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 10.38. Yep. And my righteous ones will live by faith. And I like this part. 38. <laughs> But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns back. Any, you know, when the Lord opens up and you get this idea and you understand that, that, you know, that you have something special. God gave you something special. Don't turn back on it. How many times, and this is one, one of the biggest fears that the apostles in the, in, who wrote the New Testament had, that we were going to lose our faith. This is the biggest, biggest fear of Paul. All, every, almost every one of his epistles says, I pray that you hang on. He said, get a grip. And, and it actually, it says, hold fast. And, and if for, uh, for um, you to get this idea what it means, everybody, I mean, I'm sure that all of us have seen what a bull rider looks like in a rodeo. They put that hand in that strap and then they strap it about three or four times so that even if the man's flying and the bull's going crazy, his hand's stuck there. But that's a grip. But what this word's talking about is telling us to get a double grip. Hold on with both hands. Get a double grip on that. Impossible. Actually, Galatians 3.11 says the same thing, that it's impossible to please God without faith. So our faith confession 
leads us into our identity. So I wanted to look a little bit about identification today because your confession activates your identity. And why, well, basically, why is it important is because your identity defines your destiny. Identity is the way the world is, is that we have a license, there's a permit, you can have a passport, you can have a birth certificate, you can have a degree, you can have a certificate, you can have a diploma. All those things are your identity. But the Christian's identity is your confession. That's our identity. Christianity is known as the great confession. And if you say you're a Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a Christian. People in politics say they're Christians. People are looking all over, you know, for identities in entertainment, identity in politics, identity in your family, identity in your job. But saying you're a Christian is not the great confession. The great confession is this. And I'll tell you what my confession is. You have to come up with your own. Because I fight this all the time and I confess this almost on a daily basis that Jesus Christ was a real man. And Jesus Christ lived a real life and Jesus Christ died a real death. And Jesus Christ was put into a real grave and he was in there for three real days. And then he came back to real life again. And he had a glorious body. When the Lord Jesus Christ woke up from the dead and my wife and I have two different opinions. She figures that he was pretty quiet and I figure that he jumped up. And went, hallelujah, it's over. And right away, it says in the word of God that the cloth that was wrapped around them was folded. And if you think about it, and when the king, if you have all the kings in the world and around the world, when they get out of bed in the morning, those servants come right away and start folding and cleaning the clothes. They fold the clothes, they clean up the room, they fix the bed. But when Jesus came back as the risen Lord, the angel right away folded that cloth up and put it there and said, the king's out of bed now. And I would imagine that. I can imagine Jesus walking straight through the stone. And before he went, he probably turned around and looked at that cloth and said, never again. Never, never again will death have any part of me and death will never again have any part in anybody that believes that I lived, that I died, and I was in a grave for three days, and that I came back to, to life again, and I'm raised to life forevermore, and that's the same thing for you and I. That's the confession. That's the confession. The great confession. So obviously, there is an identity problem today. People 40, 50, 60 years old don't know if they're a man or a woman. Talk about being confused about identity and who they are. 
Now I don't know how many genders we have anymore. There's a lot of them apparently. You know, um, the great the great thing that Apostle Paul wrote, he wrote in Galatians 2.20. It says, I am, this is the King James Version, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the reason that we use this in the King James is because all those other versions that say I was, I have been. I mean, there's versions that say that... Um, well, the good news in English version says, put to death, I am put to death. The Message Bible says, I have identified myself completely with Christ. But I am means that it's a continuous action. It's a continuous, continuous happening. It's always happening. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He was really excited about that, wasn't he? Hallelujah. He says, I am crucified, I am dead, this flesh is dead, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That was the great confession, and I imagine the Apostle Paul was so excited to write this and to tell people this, and that he wants us to get the same idea. And the life that I live, which I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Or it says, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. <clears throat> you know, I am. It's not like I'm trying to be, or someday I'm going to be. I'm going to push into that, or hopefully I'll get there, and I'm going to work my way into it. It was already done. So as soon as you confess and believe in the risen Lord Jesus, you are, in God's eyes, crucified with Christ. And that is our responsibility to say that there's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to make sure that I fight against the flesh and the things of the flesh which draw us away from faith and from belief in God. Because when people get mixed up in the flesh, then all of a sudden they don't want to get too close to God. Because it's like, mm, I don't know about God now because now I've done something wrong. I feel this way. I don't know. And it's the real battle. So the battle is against the flesh, against the things that draw you away from your faith and this, this gospel message of Jesus Christ. And... And Jesus, Jesus found himself in the, in the Bible. And you say, well, what do you mean, Ben? Okay, when Jesus, in Luke 4, it says, and Jesus found the place in the word where it said, Isaiah 61. And he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach to the poor, etc. You can read it. And then he closed the Bible. He sat down. He said, that's talking about me. And they didn't want to kill him till he said that. They were okay with him up to that point. And it went further on uh, that all of a sudden everybody in that meeting started to get angry and, and furious with Jesus and they wanted to throw him off, off a cliff. Isaiah was the same. Isaiah 
I mean, uh, John the Baptist found himself in Isaiah, Isaiah 40. The voice of one calling out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. And Isaiah saw that and he said, that's talking about me. What about in the book of Judges, Gideon? That's a good story too. Gideon found himself in identity in the word of God. The angel came to Gideon and said, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, Gideon said I don't think so. I'm from the poorest tribe. I'm from the most useless tribe. I'm the biggest loser that there ever was. I live in a hole in the ground. And you're telling me I'm a man of valor? But, and the, and the angel didn't say, you're going to be. Are you going to try to be? And maybe one day you might be. He said, you are. You are now. This is who we are. It's not something we have to think about. And then finally Gideon agreed with God and then the Holy Spirit, as soon as he agreed with God, the Holy Spirit came and things started to change. Or what about when Jesus said to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, yes, and you are Peter. See, as soon as you identify who Jesus is in the gospel, say, I believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again, and identify him with yourself, he turns around and tells you who you are. That's how he identified yourself in the word of God. Peter found himself. Jesus said, yes, and you are Peter. And you are, and you are as soon as I say, you are the Christ, the risen Lord, he says, yes, and you are my servant. You are my son. You are the son of God. Just like I am, for the word teaches us that everything that Christ did, he did to our account. He gave himself for me, and he loved me. So, what, is the, what does the Bible say about us? A chosen. Yeah. I love 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. It's talking about... Um, People that don't obey God's word and they meet a fate that, that was already sorted out for those type of people. But then he says in verse 9, but you are not like that. God's chosen people, you're not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. That's who you are. Did you know? Destined, chosen means destined. Destined for salvation. Selected by God for a special relationship with him. You're chosen. Selected. Destined for salvation. The royal priest. Well, the word tells us that we are priests. Because what does a priest do? A priest serves. We're all servants. You saw at the AGM, everybody in this church is serving. And I can encourage you, if you don't have a place to serve, 
there's a lot of places that you can put your hand up and someone will come and find you. There's places to serve here. We are a royal priest. The priest went in once a year, but now Jesus is the high priest. And all of us are like him. A holy nation set apart. A holy nation that be holy for I'm holy. Be set apart because I'm set apart. The world is, is not the same as us. And actually, I want to make sure that you hear this clearly and that everybody else in the spiritual world hears this. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. We don't monitor our life, how the world operates. The world actually is in subjection to us. And they monitor their life according to the church. That's why, that's why the Bible is banned in 52 out of 222 countries. 52 of them, you can't even have the Bible. Because they're afraid of it. Because it points out the truth that they're wrong. Nobody wants to be told they're wrong. Matter of fact, that's what we talked about when all those people, Jesus got up, they got upset at Jesus, his own hometown. He said, What, well, you know, he talked a lot about you're wrong. And they got mad. Who we are in God's word, we are distinctive. You are distinctive in a good way. Sometimes people think, Oh, you're distinctive. It's like, mm, not so sure. That's kind of a bad word. It's like you are a little bit off. But actually, the Word of God says that we're distinctive in a good way. The good, positive way. You are God's very own possession. You know when you get into possession, it actually costs you something. Right? Unless it's a gift. But usually, if you're going to go buy a car, you're going to buy a home, you're going to buy something that is a possession, it costs you something. It's something that you have acquired. You are acquired by the blood, the precious blood of Jesus. You weren't purchased, it says in second, the first Peter or second Peter, I can't remember, but it wasn't with the blood of bulls and goats that you were purchased, but you were purchased with the precious, precious blood of Jesus, which is far more valuable than any silver or any gold. Take all the silver and the gold in the world and you were purchased with the blood that is far more precious than that. Revelation 1.6 says that we're kingdom of priests to God the Father. And I love it. Ephesians 2.10. What about this one? Ephesians 2.10. You are God's masterpiece. Wow. Here I'm thinking I'm not that special. I'm a holy person, chosen by God for a special relationship with him, set apart for him, on my way to salvation for eternity, going to receive a glorious body like the Lord Jesus' body because of my confession and what I believe. And on top of that, I'm God's masterpiece. Wow. I'm stay. You know, when I'm, as a musician, I have this 14-minute piece of music that I wrote, or 12 minutes and some seconds. I said, 
That's my masterpiece. When I listen to it, I say, wow, that's something that I'm proud of. And I put, number one, when you make a masterpiece, you put your heart and soul in there. It describes you. It sends out vibrations of who you are, what your heart's like. Everything that you can conjure up, all your whole ideas of, of living, everything is pushed into that masterpiece. And everything that God has for you, everything God ever thought about you, everything God ever gave to you, because he was making a masterpiece. That's a beautiful. It's amazing. We're God's masterpiece. Well, Paul says also in Galatians 5 that we're, we're free. God made us for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians 5, three times he says in Galatians 5, that three times he says right away, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. I like that. Don't get tied up in all the religious stuff. Don't go back to the law. The law couldn't do a thing for people. You have the faith of God. It says further on, further on verse 7, uh, verse 8, it certainly isn't God, for He is the one who called you to freedom. And then further on in verse 13, for you have been called to live in freedom. Nothing is going to bind you up when you believe in the gospel of Christ. Everything else, leave it. It's the gospel that sets you free. It's the life, the risen Lord, the victor. And that word Lord, it means the victor. He came back from the dead as a victorious king. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But anyway, in business now. Can I have the next picture up there, Ben? Because it, it's limitless who you are. This is totally limitless in who you are. And you can see, you can pick a lot of them. We can go through the whole Bible. It continuously tells us. But people in business hire companies to protect our identity. And you know, people don't pay people to protect a poor man's identity. Satan wants to steal your identity because he knows you're rich. People want to, if you're somebody that's homeless under, under the bridge, people don't want to steal that identity. They want to find out the ones that have money. They want to find out the rich people. And then they want to get into their identity so that they can take what they have. Satan knows your value because of your worth and your confession. He knows how valuable you are. And he even tried to steal Jesus' identity, didn't he? Remember when he was 40 days in the wilderness, he, Satan says, well, if you are the son of God, make some bread. And then he took him and showed him the whole kingdoms of the world, and he said, if you are the son of God, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all of this. And then he said, then he got really ridiculous. He said, go throw yourself off a building. 
And Jesus is thinking, get away from me, Satan. Coming back with him, scripture after scripture after scripture. That's why it's so important to know your identity and steady the word of God because the devil himself would like to take that from you. You know, just in, in um, psychology, there's three things they do. They talk about determinisms. There's, um, there's a determinism, which is your biological determinism or your genetic determinism, the way you are made, from the way you look, the way your parents made you, how you act, and as you grow, you even look, sometimes you look in the mirror and go, oh, I, I actually say sometimes, oh, I'm just like my dad. Oh, my goodness, I heard my father in my voice. And, you know, you can see yourself, you can see your mom, you can see how you act and everything like this. But now we have something that's the, and the second one that they use is, um, is a psychological determinism. What goes on in your mind? And then third one that they have is the environmental determinism. Where you grew up, all your environment, how you are. All of these things, that, and that's where they get that word psychosonoma. It means all the things that your brain does to influence your spirit and your soul. But now we find that that's why Jesus said you have to be born again. And, and it says there in, uh, uh, Jesus said, if any man, it says, in, if any man be in Christ, or the word of God says, then he's a new creation, new all things are passed away. Behold, all things are come new. You get a new genetic determinism. You get a new bloodline. Can we go to that slide, please, Ben? That one where it talks a little bit about... You're not just a forgiven sinner. You are a brand new person. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We've been given a new identity. How the bloodline has been changed. We're born again. Old things have passed away. Old things become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So put that up there, please, for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has, things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Isn't that great news? People say, oh, I wish I could get rid of that. Don't let the devil tell you that it's going to be like that forever, because it's not. It's all new. Your faith makes it everything new. God did this. It's God's idea. New blood. We've been given God's blood. It's, it's genetics. New genetics. We've actually even been given the mind of Christ. Told that in the scripture it tells us that we're supposed to renew our minds. What's the chapter, uh, the verse, the um, chapter that it talks about being given the mind of Christ? First Corinthians two sixteen. We have the mind of Christ. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. I'm not lost out there in my mind. Christians are not mindless people that don't know who we are because the power 
of the gospel. And Eddie said last week, I'm not ashamed of the power of, of the gospel because it's the power of God. When Jesus Christ came back from the dead, that was the massive amount of power. And people say, I think I need more power. And God might say, well, I don't know where I'm going to get it from. Because I put it all there. The power of God raised Jesus from the dead is the same. And the spirit that raised him is the same spirit that's going to raise you and I from the dead. That's your identity. God being given us says, gird up the loins of your mind in the scripture. It means take everything you ever knew about the Bible, about your confession, every single thing you can think of and remind yourself about it. Build your mind up. Renovate your mind with that. That's the stuff you need to meditate on. You need to digest it. We need to do all that stuff. So anyway, that's our, that's our identity. But Hebrews, I love Hebrews chapter 10 to 19 to 25. I just look at this here for it. And then we're going to conclude this. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. And so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God, your hearts fully trusting to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. It's God. We don't put our trust in man. Remember, Jesus didn't say in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in people. He said, have faith in God. Have faith in God's word. Have faith in the power of God. That's our hope. That's what we trust. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three, three things that we're supposed to be doing as Christians, as a church. The first one, go to the next slide, please, Ben. If you want to write them down or take a photo, I'd recommend taking a look at these scriptures. One of the main things that we're supposed to be doing, and I'll wrap this up now, is we're supposed to be keeping an eye out for Jesus. 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of the world is coming soon. 1 John 2, 18, the last hour is near. Revelations 1, 3, the time is near. James 5, 8, take courage. The coming of the Lord is near. And this is, I'm not even scratching the surface of verses that talk about this. The second thing that we're going to do as a church, so let's keep our eyes open for the, Jesus. Every morning I wake up and I go, okay, this could be the day. I fully expect that Jesus Christ is going to show up like a man with a glorious body and boom, all my sickness, all my illnesses, all my worries, everything, everything is many gone. And I'm off to glory with the Lord forever with the Lord. So the second thing that the scripture continuously throughout the whole New Testament tells us that we need to keep an eye out for the Antichrist. Can you believe it? 
The devil is a prowling lion. First Peter 5, 8. First John 2, 18. The Antichrist is coming and is already here. And First John 4, 2 is so beautiful because it tells us how to figure out if a person is really telling you the truth. And it says, anybody that says that Jesus Christ had a real body is talking from God. Anytime a spirit, and this is a big spirit, it's all around the world, says that Jesus was not a real man and did not live a real life and did not die a real death and did not go to a real grave and did not come back from that real death, that is a spirit of Antichrist. And it can come in a lot of different forms. Doubts, little thoughts, anything. But you just, that is when we as a church need to say, no, we stand with the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and we curse that spirit of Antichrist because we are more than conquerors who Christ loves us and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And the third thing that the scripture teaches us and the last thing I say is that we are to love one another. 1 Peter 1.22, show sincere love to each other. 2.17, respect each other. 3.8, be of one mind and love one another. 1 John 3.23, believe in the name of his son Jesus and love one another. Jude verse 20, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and build each other up. And Hebrews 10.25, we must meet together and motivate and each other to acts of love and good works. So this is why we come to church. Some assembly are required. The blood flows better in the body. If my hand's off my body, there's a circulation problem of the blood. There's a problem. Got to come to church and motivate each other. You know, in Numbers um, chapter 6, I, I love when the Lord says to Moses, and tell Aaron and his sons, this is what I want you to say to the people as the priest and me as the minister of God. The Lord says, Tell them, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So that's the blessing. And then you know what the next verse after that says? The Lord God Almighty says this. And because you put my name on them, I will do it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Have faith in God. Have faith in God's word. And have faith in the power of God. It was his idea. It was his idea to make us his masterpiece. 
his idea to send his son to redeem us so that we could live with him forever. Let's pray then. Finished with the prayer. Dear Jesus, oh, so precious to us as people that believe in you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for telling us about Jesus. We thank you for keeping the word protected. God, we thank you for your word that is powerful and that it reaches in us. It changes us, Lord. Thank you we could come into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus and that when you look at us, you see us through the blood. Every wrong that our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus. That we have free access to your blessings through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word today. That we could be encouraged to keep confessing who we are. To see who we are in this mixed up world, Lord. That we are stable, we're durable, we're incorruptible. We're fruitful, we're virtuous, we're full of peace, patience, and love. And everything that we do as Christians and as a church body will prosper for you supply all our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for protecting us from the evil empire, from the spirits of Antichrist, from the murmuring spirits, those hindering spirits, and those retaliatory, deceiving religious spirits, Lord. And we just say that we believe in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you that he has a glorious body. And Lord, thank you that you are seated next to the Father in heaven. And that you are constantly praying for us and interceding for us. Encourage us with this word, Lord. Let, it, let us digest it over time now as we've eaten this meal, this, this meal of the word of God that we would be able to digest it and the Holy Spirit, that you would keep it from being stolen from the enemy, that we would live in this realization that we are crucified and that we have a brand new life. In the name of Jesus, we pray to the honor and glory of God and, and thank you, Holy Spirit, again, for loving us as a church, protecting us and watching over us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.